Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Welcome back. Um, just keeping this theme going. Seem you know er, early on in my podcast adventures, my probably not so much my YouTube's, but a lot of talking at people, and it's been awesome for the last couple of months bringing in people to speak with. And today I got Paul Singh from Strata, um, and we'll talk a little bit about what Strata is. I'm not even going to say it at this point because otherwise you'd click off, um, <laughs> because uh, there's too much. Uh, too much history with uh with with words and titles and words that words that hurt as we like to say in healthcare so welcome paul how are you today i'm living the dream man you know uh my uh my kids they got four kids so uh you know somebody's always bringing some crud home and oh god dude. one thing after the other but i'm living the dream and and, and having a lot of fun doing it <laughs> awesome so um i don't know i don't know if uh maybe people look and maybe read the show notes or search your name. So I'm going to assume as I didn't until our uh, common friend, Anthony Moritato introduced us about what, about two months ago. Yeah. Something like that. I the, did the not know who Paul Singh was, but I got to tell you people, let, let me tell you this. So I get introduced to Paul through Anthony. So I, I respect Anthony a lot as I know Paul does. So I said, I got to meet this guy. I'm going to connect with him. And Paul and I have talked way more than Anthony and I have <laughs> over the last two months. So I'm going to tell you guys to sit tight. And Paul's going to be someone you all want to listen to and get to know. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's not a healthcare provider. So so that's a I'm, I'm going to put that as a plus to start this uh, conversation. So tell <laughs> You're us selling it good. <laughs> tell us tell us about yourself. Paul and in the history with business and um, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, the I'll try to give you the the two minute version and we can go anywhere you want. Uh, so home for me is Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington D.C. Uh, I grew up here. Um, you know, my parents when they immigrated from India came here. That's just how it was back then. Uh, went to high school here, went to college here, um, and uh, got my first and my last real job at a little startup called America Online in the, in the late 90s. And from there, that job, I won't, I won't belabor the point, but the, you know everything kind of happens for a reason. Up until that point in my life, I thought that you made money by trading time for money or a thing for money. And AOL uh, was headquartered here in Ashburn, Virginia, which, you know, for anybody that knows today, that's like 50,000 people. There's like a Ferrari dealership here and stuff like that. But back then, this was like dairy farming town, two lane roads, dirt uh, dirt roads, and then that sort of thing. Here's the point. I got a I got a really bad, like, it wasn't even a job. I'm not even sure I was really on payroll because I sold a car to a guy who was like, just show up here and clean this data center up. <laughs> and so long story short, uh, first day I walked into AOL, I learned within few, a few minutes that um, the internet was something really 
really interesting. Um, my, you know, a lot of a lot of people back then seemed to think it was either about drugs and porn, uh, and the other half of people thought it was something new. I didn't know where I sat on that on that spectrum, but I did know that I walked into that building that that first day, and there's a little TV, and uh, every if you remember dial up internet, your computer would make all that noise, and then it'll you know it'd say you're connected or you've got mail. Every time that happened, a pin would drop on a little TV screen in the mid '90s in this little farm old farm barn thing. And that was the day I walked in and realized like the internet would allow you to decouple where you were from whatever your profession might be. And so I, like I said, it was my first and last job. I, I also learned there that entrepreneurship is not about degrees and, and, and skin color and money. It's really about trying a lot of stuff uh, and seeing what sticks. And so I started a business six months later, uh, web hosting. Turns out you probably shouldn't build something that's kind of competitive to your employer. <laughs> so, uh, but I started a web hosting company um, in the late 90s, uh, tripped and stumbled forward, got really, really lucky, didn't screw it up, didn't go to jail. Uh, and by 2004, had six large data centers that I built out here in Virginia. Um, so we still operate those business or those buildings, that business. Um, uh, um, you know, I like to tell people 80% of the world's internet traffic goes through our six buildings without anybody knowing about it every single day. Um, but just fast forward from there. So that was my experience. I, I, I did what I think most successful first-time entrepreneurs do. What year was that? What year was that when you got out of the, data? uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm still or moved on from the data. Yeah, I'm still in the business. I got a great team, but I stepped out yeah. of the day-to-day in 2004. Okay. I'm just curious for, yeah, I'm just want to keep I, yeah, me personally, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering yeah. about it timeline. So I did the, the the thing that all first time entrepreneurs with a little luck do is you think that everything you touch after that's going to turn out. <laughs> and so uh, got really good at uh, burning cash and making dumb mistakes for the next couple of years. Um, I ended up somehow uh, through all that consulting and stuff somehow ended up in the uh, White House Office of Science, Tech and Policy for a couple of years. Um, did that for a little bit. And then uh, 2008 happened, you know, that, that big old crash. And it affected everybody, as, as you guys probably remember. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor or whatever, like it hurt everybody. And um, that's what all of a sudden I got interested in angel investing. I didn't know what this was, but at that point in my life, I'd never been to Silicon Valley. I just, you know, you'd read these blogs of angel investors. What the hell is that? I have no idea. And so the long and short of it is I was like, I'm going to figure it out. You know, I figured out this other business. So I started investing. And my super secret strategy was to get on a the cheapest United Airlines flight from Dulles Airport every Monday, show up somewhere, Google what the startups in town were, try to write a $50,000 check. That's what I did. So I ended up being early or first money into companies like Twilio and SendGrid and Credit Karma and Mint and all these other things. And um, fast forward another two years from there, uh, that became, I, I co-founded a venture firm. We institutionalized this sort of idea of high volume angel investing into something called 500 startups. Uh, today it's called 500 Global. Um, so I was involved in the day-to-day -day there for about four years as well. Uh, we've got a great team there. You know, I'm still involved as an investor in the funds and stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, basically spent the last couple of years of my life now, uh, the, uh, at that point, uh, having invested directly into 3,200 companies um, uh, across 56 countries. So uh, everything, 
every industry what i mean yeah and that's and that's personally by the way that's not 500 so 500 has its own portfolio that's a little bit bigger um but yeah like i i can answer this question in the context of me and 500 as well uh it's easier for me to explain what we don't invest in rather than explain what we do invest in um you know because i think a lot of people make this mistake that silos matter and all that stuff at the end of the day 80 percent of every business is the same whether it's a practice, medical yeah, practice. I love or this. Like a, yeah, you know? I, I love this. I love this thought. That That's interesting, right? So, oh, you must have chosen a very narrow niche to invest in. And obviously you didn't when you say all these, all these companies across multiple uh, yeah, industries. Yeah, right? like, like for example, one of the things I can't invest in is I won't invest in any business where it costs more than a million dollars to get to your first customer. Not because that's a bad business to be in, but because that's a different business, you know, Um, uh, like the world's changed. When I started my first business in the late 90s, you had to go down. I remember having to go down to the local bank and, you know, uh, give them the title to my old beat up forerunner for them to give me that credit card swipey thing. You remember those things back then? (laughs) And uh, and so but now, uh, well, even in 2010, you know, a, a, a kid sitting at a Starbucks could could effectively collect a credit card within a couple of days and, and and make some money. And today, I mean, if if you can't make a hundred bucks in a day, entrepreneurship's not for you. Um, in other words, I think I think five hundred bucks today in twenty twenty three is the equivalent of fifty thousand bucks in twenty ten, and the equivalent of five million bucks in nineteen ninety five. And so I, so that, and, and that's coming, that's, that's applicable all over the world. You know, uh, I, look, I'm, I'm, I was raised here in the U.S. I'm a citizen. I don't want anybody, you know, in your audience, like coming after me or anything like that. But here's the funny thing about America. We forget sometimes that we're only five, maybe 7% of the world's population. I mean, there's more kids in the Indian school system every single day than there are American citizens, right? So think about how much money there is to be made. So, but all the concepts still apply. You know, the tactics might be a little different. The cultures might be different, but the concepts still apply. So did that for a couple of years. You know, I I will admit before I keep going here, you'll see this pattern in me is that, that, that like I'm not good at running things in the long term. I'm really good at starting them, building them, growing them. But when it comes time to like, hey, everybody wants a performance review. There's, there's smarter people that I'll hire to do that. And so by 2014, stepped out of that. I had had my first kid. Um, sounds crazy, but my wife and I decided to get an RV, live in it full time, travel the country. That's what we did. Um, and then fast forward to 2007. So that was 2014 when I left there, uh, the day to day, uh, 2017 or 18 co-founded a company called bump health. Uh, that was really a subscription. It started out as a subscription box for expecting moms, um, bootstrapped that thing up, you know, by the end of the fourth, the fourth year, I think we were doing something like 40 plus million a year in revenue there. But that's where my path crossed into healthcare because all of a sudden I started to run into the, my, my wife, we were, so we've got four kids now. And when she was expecting that. I think so, this, so we can say you've seen both sides of healthcare now. Oh yeah. Friend, oh right? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that's where I got exposed to DME. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I remember, you know, the postcards coming, uh, get your free breast pump and all that. And I'm, I, I always, 
joke, although I'm probably half serious, I'm a blood sucking capitalist, so I can't enjoy anything, right? So you send me a postcard that says I get something for free and I'm like, wait, 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 if it's free, I'm the product. What the hell is that? And that's when, you know, Aeroflow and all these guys were hitting up my wife for, for free breast pumps. I'm like, what is this? And that started my journey into DME and um, RCM and all the other slang and jargon. And I'll just tell you this, we figured it out, you know, and um, it, <laughs> I learned two things from that experience that led me to where I'm at now with Strata is that uh, two things I learned. Number one, uh, the healthcare industry is designed to keep people out. <laughs> it uses all this jargon to keep people out. That's why innovation in the healthcare industry is much slower than every other industry, at least over the last 20 years. And the second thing I learned is that the money, the industry sizes of healthcare make the consumer and the B2B tech world look like pennies, right? The, 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 the prize here is way bigger, way bigger. Um, and so, yeah, that led me here to Strata. Um, my, it turns out that my, um, a friend that I went to high school with way back at the beginning of all this uh, ended up starting this company called Strata. I won't bore you with the details of it, but we reconnected around that time. And I was like, hey, look, I think this could be bigger. I think that, I think there's a lot more juice to squeeze and I don't think it's as hard as people are making it and I want in. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you as much or as little as you want to know, but that's the story. You said, I don't think it's as hard as people think. And then you got to healthcare and went, oops. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that. I think that'll permeate the conversation. As you know, I tend to run a little negative. The other day asked me, <laughs> someone said, can't you be positive about anything? Because Right. I, I live like I live off the tears of Dodger fans during the playoffs when Dodgers <laughs> lose. I'm like, I'm happy as hell right now. What, what, what do you mean? I can't be happy. But yeah, I, I tend to push the fear side, but I think we'll probably delve into that. Yeah. 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 So, so strata, let, let's talk about this RCM revenue cycle management. Um, yeah. Which, which is a term that gets used incorrectly. I, I would say in healthcare also people call billing revenue cycle management and billing is just a step in a process. And probably when you look at what billing is probably, I'm just going to say this out loud, the most tactical, easy data point on this system. So tell me a little bit about revenue cycle management, if you don't mind, describe well, well, it. Well, let me, well, okay. High <laughs> level. Uh, if, if this is where you're asking me to go, I think yeah, high, yeah, level, let's go is high that, level first. Yeah. High level here, RCM revenue cycle management is effectively all the steps required to uh, collect on the uh, fees that you've charged uh, for treating a patient from the insurance payer. Um, and, and for anybody that doesn't really understand that, I would say that it's important to understand that, you know, 20 some years ago, there was a little startup called PayPal. <laughs> and before PayPal, you know, the, if I wanted to transfer money to you, Jerry, I'd have to go get the ATM or write you a check or, cause it's two guys transferring money between each other, right? What are the options? I'd write you a check and mail it or I'd, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever. And if I was being a total asshole, I'd, I'd rent a dump truck, fill it with pennies and drive it to your house, you know? Um, but then this little startup called PayPal showed up and, uh, the, the abbreviated history of that is, is like they started up 
they really hit this pain point of why should it be so hard? Millions of people signed up and then sure enough, the government shut it down. Well, hey, wait, 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 KYC, you know your customer, you can't do that. Well, they fixed it, you know, and, and over the, now, now, like if I gave you money, you know, if I gave you hard cash or a check, you'd probably look at me funny because you'd be like, oh, come on, man, Venmo me, Zell me, you know, whatever. And I, I, that, the state of RCM today is basically pre-PayPal, you know? And so um, I, I, cut me off, take me to what direction? Yeah, take me whatever direction you want here. But now that we've talked about the state of RCM, let's talk about the state of the industry as a whole. Uh, RCM- You mean the finance side? Well, the business side of it. The business. The, so, so the business side of RCM is effectively, there are three choices for most players today. Uh, and, and when I say players, I say practice owners and stuff like that. First option is do it in-house. You know, you got one or two or 10 people sitting in there. Okay, that's great. Uh, second option is, is you outsource to some mom and pop in Idaho or wherever it is, Michigan, pick one, they're all the same. Option three. That's you, weird. It is the North. That's weird. Yeah, now you said I, that. Now, now you got me, now you got me thinking. Uh, the, it's I, all I, like the Northern part of this, the U.S. of A. That's weird. Uh, Go maybe on. they got nothing better to do up there. It's cold. Who knows? Uh, you know, everybody knows the SEC is the best league in the in the country anyway. So, you know. Yeah, so they, they just moved up the building. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then the third option is, is you outsource to somebody bigger who's likely in India or some other place on the planet. You know, it's just, it's just in, uh, labor arbitrage. But the one thing that all three of these options um, share, even though they're slightly different, is it's people. It's people picking up the phone and pounding the phone and calling the payer and all this stuff. And there's pros and cons to that, right? Like, you know, did they show up to work? Do they care about the $1,000 claim as much as they care about the $2 claim or whatever? And, you know, what I'm here to show you, or, or not to show you, but to just say as an industry is that RCM is not special. RCM today looks like, you know, the finance industry 20 years ago. And the funny thing is, is like, technology is, is here. Like, the, the thing about code, you know, and, and, and all that nerd stuff that nobody ever wants to talk about is, uh, is that computers never talk back. They don't need breaks. They don't have glitches. They don't sleep. They don't want time off. They just do what they're told and they learn. And you can, so in other words, the more you can talk to these computers and code, the better uh, you can scale these businesses. And so the fourth option of RCM, and, uh, you know, and I, I, I hope somebody beats us, right? Like technically we shouldn't exist, but uh, what we do is put apply code to this. Um, certainly we have some great people, of course, right? No, no, no doubt about it, but, but really it's about computers. I mean, this is really the, the if we want to get like kind of uh, graphic here a little bit, you know, RCM right now is basically David versus Goliath. You got these big ass payers who by definition cannot pay every claim, right? The, num the math doesn't work when you're an insurance provider if you pay every claim, <laughs> right? So what do you do? You change all the rules, you kind of make it harder, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, each of these options, one, two, and three is really just David, right? Do you have one person doing your billing or a hundred people in, in India? It's all the same, really. Um, and this is where code comes in. It's because you can leverage it. Um, so, uh, 
anyway, let me, let me pause there. Cause you know, my, my, my superpower is I think, I think I can probably ramble more than you, Jerry. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so I've been in healthcare 30, I've been in healthcare for 30 years. Right. And, um, <clears throat> in it, literally in it, right. Where you, I would say came right outside in, um, so it's interesting, and you talk about um, the prize is bigger and keep people out and everything, and it's so true. And you know, it it's interesting as heck. And um, you know, we got a three point what probably three point four trillion dollar industry at this point. We probably added on another point in there over the last six months. And um, you know, you look at it, and then people start talking about and start shifting my mindset of going, look, you know, if you can change. 0.001 of that, you could reap huge benefits, right? Because there's so many zeros on the end. You don't, you know, making a big impact in healthcare is going to have a big impact. And here's the other thing. The, you know, we're, we're not creating toasters. We're not creating shoes. We're not creating records. You know, we're, we're dealing with people's health. So there is this balance of not keeping people out or keeping the right people out. That's a whole nother conversation while making this big impact and benefiting from it. Right. And that's the last step that everybody seems to miss out and where you come into in healthcare is why shouldn't you get paid for making the impact you're making, right? The, the, the disconnect with all those components is so huge in healthcare. I don't know. There's a lot going on in my head right now, but <clears throat> Um, around this, well, let me uh, let me say let me just share one idea, and yep. then you can either uh, just cl it. clip it out of here, or you can uh, or we can see if it if it triggers an idea for you to talk about here. So, um, I'm a I'm just I'm going to probably piss off some people here, but that's not the goal. Look, every business is the same. Yeah. And, yes. And, and, and this is this, you and I talked about this before we clicked on and we're back to your, uh, I'm sorry, tell me again, 500 global. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 500 global. Yep. We're back to 500 global. And for anybody, if you didn't hear that roll back, because that's what, as soon as you said you invested in over how many companies? For me personally, it's 3,200. Yeah. 3,200. Uh, 500. What another, someone should be. So you can either go two directions here. You either go, wow, he's invested in the same thing, 3,200, same industry, 3,200 times or where I'm thinking. And I went the direction without even asking is those are all different industries, aren't they? And you said, yes, because at the, at the, core level, a business, a well-run business is a well-run business. It doesn't matter what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. And, That's exactly and right. we miss this in healthcare. And I've been on this tear recently and, and I see this and I'm going to go back to now, I'm going to preface all this with, it's too easy to start a practice, a business in healthcare, a billing company. Most of the people doing billing and creating companies should not be doing that work. And I've run into it through my clients. By the way, I had two of them almost put me out of business when I had my own business, right? By the way, one or two of those may currently be some of the bigger billing companies that people employ right now. That I was constantly on the phone with their CFO going, the only thing you can do is front me the cash today because you guys have been so negligent on this. So again, it's too easy to start, I'm not even going to call it a business, Paul, 
because they haven't created anything. It's too easy to start something in healthcare. And I don't know where the accountability, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where the accountability is lacking is because the people wanting your service know less than you do when you create this thing. And I own this when I started my practice at the time, right? I didn't know the right or wrong questions to ask. I wasn't doing marketing properly. I didn't have a sales and retention program set up, you know, and if anybody would have come in and look, oh yeah, this is great, you know, and everybody does it. Well, I can do it better. Well, I give you McDonald's, my friends, everybody on the face of the earth can make a better hamburger and everybody does, but tell me why McDonald's is successful. And it's because they, it's because their franchise book never lies, man. Right. It, that's the gold mine. Yeah. 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 I mean, look at the risk of turning this into a philosophy podcast. I'll just, I'll just, let me, let me throw this out there and you see if uh, it's worth anything. So, you know, when we think about businesses across every industry, every country, hyper-local or, you know, multinational, the way to think about this is that let's just, let's just imagine that we had a whiteboard here. I want you to draw four boxes stacked on each other, okay? So um, at the bottom, the foundation of these four boxes, this tower of four boxes, is the person, the founder, the entrepreneur. And... Uh, more often than not, somewhere in their life, they were told you got to work hard and da, 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 like it's all about sacrifice. And there's this like hero's story that we're all told about entrepreneurs. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. So let's now let's go through these four boxes, because in order for you to build the business you want, regardless of industry, location, hyper local or multinational, you need to recognize these four boxes and then understand when to jump to the next and the next and the next. And ideally, when you nail all four of these, that's when you build the business you want. And that business could be just making you 200 grand and you can work one day a week, or it could be making you $200 billion a year and you can have as many jets as you want. So let's write those boxes in. The first box is money. Second box is people. Third box is technology. Fourth box is media. So now let me explain. These are all forms of leverage. So First is you need to learn how to leverage money. How do I actually leverage money to do what I want? Whether it's start something, grow something, you know, what's the, how do I leverage that? Once you figure that out, you've got to learn how to leverage people. Because at the end of the day, you've got 24 hours, just like somebody else. You've got to figure out how to then leverage a team, you know, and, and, and grow that way. The next box is technology. The reality is people also have to sleep, right? And if you can leverage technology, you can make things automated. You can reduce headcount. You can make more money by nurturing existing patients or customers or whatever. Fourth box is media. And that is that if you understand that you're fighting a war for attention, you win, right? Because people have infinite choice now. Um, so let me, let me pause there because that's, that's the framework that I think about. Like when people ask me like, oh, well, why is it so hard? How do you do this? What, what's the, you know, what, what did you learn in terms of investing in Wisconsin versus New Delhi? It's like, it's all the same. Ambition and, and drive are equally distributed around the world. Uh, what is not is, is the, 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 um, the knowledge on how to get there. Right. So that, so what ends up happening? You have all these like hardworking healthcare people, for example, in this industry who whether they admit it or not, eventually become cynical. They'll tell you, the funny thing about healthcare people, I've never met 
<laughs> I feel like the people that are the, the most against the, the, the future of healthcare are the people in healthcare. <laughs> the, the, they'll tell you that, yeah, they'll tell you that. Like a podcast words. series on that. that oh, there is yeah. no worse enemy of progress in healthcare than the people currently in it. Oh, and, yeah. and I read a great quote yesterday, someone I follow on Twitter, just to follow in. Someone said, you know, this, this, oh, I'm going to change it from within. And he's like, you don't understand people. The institutions are the end part. So if you're in an institution, you're within, you can't change it within. I love this quote yesterday. I'll, I'm going to pull it up and post it because it's that, and it's all of us within it, whether we acknowledge it or not, we're in it. And, oh, you know, change has to come from within. And I'm like, give me some examples, please, please give me some examples. I, I mean, bleep me out. I, I feel like this is on this podcast, knowing you, there's nothing that can be bleeped out. But uh, here's the no, thing. No, nothing can. You Unless know, you, you talk know, about the Dodgers in a positive light. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, the, here's the thing. Like, um, you know, when you think about, so people think investing, for example, is like Shark Tank, you know? It's you like, oh, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, you say the right thing, and then Mark Cuban shows up and buys 99% of your company for $2. That That's not how it works, right? But you talk to enough people like I have, and what you figure out is, is that there's a lot of little things that people say that instantly tell you they're not going anywhere. And one of those phrases is, we're going to change the way, change. If they use the word change, the business is fucked. Because here's the deal. People don't want to change. At the end of the day, people want to get paid, made, or laid. That's how it works. Since the beginning of time, that's how it's worked. And so when you meet an entrepreneur, doesn't again, industry agnostic, does not matter. When they say, I want to change the way, change. Once they say change, walk away. Because this is basically intellectual navel gazing, intellectual masturbation, whatever you want to call it. That's what that is. What we really need to do is figure out the or accept the fact that um, if you can make somebody more money or save them more time or maybe even both, they will pay you. That's what business is, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but here's the thing. Could I go on YouTube and figure out how to build a patio? Sure. Do I want to? By the way, Probably do the majority not. of people, right? right? Do the majority. Th no, that's right. Even though that YouTube video has 60 million hits, how many of those 60 million went out? Probably about 500, right? Exactly, exactly. And so so really the, the point is, though, is that, um, you know, <clears throat> when we think about uh, uh, this industry, and, and to be fair, it's just like every other industry. But when we think about this industry, it's full of people that will tell you that 87 ways something can't happen. Can't work. Can't and, work. Can't work. And if you really want to do something or make a dent here, make some money, whatever it is you want to do, just find the one way that works. That's the goal. All you got to do is find the one way that works. And and that's easier said than done, I admit. But, you know, it seems to me that it's really hard to get people to at least stop doing the hey, here's 87 ways it won't work, you know? Yeah, it, it's um, interesting because, as you know, I deal with people in my business who say they want to change and or do something differently. And it's interesting. <clears throat> I've uh, lengthened my sales cycle to have longer conversations with people to try to get deeper. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting, the people who want all the change and then you get to the end and they don't want the change. They just wanted someone to fix the deck. They wanted someone to plug the hole. It's like, well, do you want to repair the hole? You know, I'm just going to give a quick example, right? 
I love this when I finally had this tipping point, you know, I need you to help me um, manage cancels, right? And I'm like, how about we just prevent them? And everybody's like, oh, well, preventing cancels requires some work if you didn't put the structure together, right? And the systems together. And then all of a sudden you show them how you can prevent cancels and they still just want to go back to managing cancels, right? To your point. Right. And then they'll blame, they'll blame, th this is my favorite thing, you know, blaming the customer, right? Blaming the client, right? And I'm like, oof. I, I tell people all the time, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'm going to ask you a question. Have you done A, B, and C before you blame the client? Knowing that most people can't check more than two or one of those boxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. And, and this comes back to, well, no, I, I want to circle back. This comes back to, right, billing. This comes back to dealing with the insurance industry. This comes back to collecting what you should be able to collect for the work you've done. So we'll sit back and lose money every day and lose track. I call it, I call it, you know what I call right, re revenue cycle management, Paul? I call it tracking your dollar. Do you know? So I treat you today, Paul, at 10, 10 o'clock. I treat you at 10 o'clock. And let's just say at 1030, you're done. At 1030, I have done the bulk of the, the charting and I click send, which activates the bill. So eight, so, and I bill you just for argument's sake, I bill, I bill the system because I can't even say I bill you. That's the other thing about healthcare. I can't say I build you, but I bill the system $1. And I'm like, from the second you hit send on that computer, can you track that dollar? Where is that dollar today? Where is it tomorrow? Where is it tomorrow? Where is it tomorrow? And that's how I look at revenue cycle management. Can you track my dollar, right? And, and I've been to your dashboard and I see, right? And when I look at the metrics on your dashboard, right, it is tracking and it's telling people, by the way, the one thing everybody wants to see what you have at the top is, right, how long, I don't, I, I forget the proper term, but, you know, from, from bill to page, you know, date, is that DOS, dates of service? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, everybody wants to see date DOS, but then at the bottom, I'm like, that's cool, but I also want to understand where my money is because it's my money at this point. The second, by this way, the second I hit submit on that bill, it's my money. It's my money. I want to know where it is. Right. So, you know, revenue cycle management. So what do we do? <clears throat> we hire someone. I, I ran into this last couple of years. I found out that the billers are probably the second most highest paid people. You know this. Probably the second most highest paid person in the business because they own the institutional knowledge. So where's that system? It's in their head. I can't afford to lose them. And I'm like, you submitted, you, you totally abdicated your, the lifeblood of your business to one person. By the way, I, there's I, another huge tell, Paul. We were talking about asking some questions and talking to people, right? And then what happens when they quit, you blame them. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah, I, ju I just kind of, I wanted to circle back to, because, because, it, you, you know what I love about this, anybody listening at this point, is that Paul is, right, I enjoy, don't get me wrong, I've been in this 30 years, I love my people in the industry, yet, if you're going to survive and thrive in healthcare, you need to build a network of people outside of healthcare, I'm going to say it out loud, and I don't care if you own a business or not, 
and I constantly, people say, what, what is the one thing? People will nail it to one thing. I go, go outside of healthcare. My, my EO, when I joined Entrepreneurs Organization, it will be forever. There were tipping points that got me to EO. So I can't disregard those. But EO was the single biggest tipping point in my journey in healthcare to do better in healthcare. So I'm not saying to run a better business. I'm saying the result is to do better in healthcare. Me, my business, the people I serve, and then helping other clients to better serve. It wasn't until I found a group of 100 people. The first fucking question I asked them when we were interviewing to be in there was, are there any other healthcare people in this group? Mm-hmm. And they looked at me and said, no. And I said, here's my check. And by the way, I had to give him a check. That's how long ago it was. But yeah, <laughs> here's my check. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because yeah. I wanted, and it wasn't a bash on healthcare. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I got to share this because, because it ties in and I want people to hear how what Paul has been talking about and his expertise and his life and experience here is what people like Paul is who you want to connect with and do business with. I, I totally tapped to the core my industry of trying to find solutions. And I spent probably greater than 50% of the people I tapped within healthcare, within my profession, didn't say, they did not say, greater than 50% did not say, I can't help you. They said, you can't do that. And I was like, that's fucking stupid. I just mm-hmm. went, it, I don't even know the right answer, but that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. And yep. so, and that's when I went outside and I want to tell you, I was forced outside basically because I ran out of options. And so this idea of healthcare and we could, again, we could do a whole nother month on this because I love getting into the mindset and the, you know, if everybody who ever became a provider had to take like, I don't care if people believe in them, but everybody had to take like a personality test because we're very risk adverse right? And we get into it because we want to serve people. We want to help people, right? And so there's a lot of risk aversion. There's a lot of other attributes that don't necessarily transfer to business ownership, by the way. I, I, have, I have this anecdotal theory. No way. I have no way to prove what I'm about to tell you, but just having talked to a lot of practice owners in the last year or whatever, uh, here's my anecdotal theory. Uh, this so most practice owners have never had a real job. So oh, I'll never forget my first interview when yeah. I sat across from someone who I realized, wait a minute, this is your first job at 26 years old. Yeah. Well, well, like, like hear me out for a second. Like um, I, my actual first job uh, before I, before I ever like, got into AOL, like when I was working in high school, first job was actually, I had two jobs actually through, through high school. One was I worked at Papa John's making pizzas and the second is, I worked at a little startup uh, that I didn't know was a startup, to be honest, called CarMax, which at the time was part of the uh, uh, part of Circuit City. You wore a Circuit City uniform, if anybody remembers that. And like, here's the thing: you didn't get to stand there as a car sales guy, you know, doing nothing. Your manager was basically sitting there saying, "Hey, I don't want to see you standing." So you're either dialing your previous prospects. Check in, how are they doing? How are the kids? How's the soccer going? Da, 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 da. You make sure that like you touch every one of those people and that's how you, you drive people in the door to come talk to you about a car. Cause you don't know when they're really serious about buying that car but you better touch base with them once a month, right? 
Um, I've never been a realtor, but it seems to me that the best realtors I've ever met do the same thing, right? They, they are uh, constantly sending you stuff, staying top of mind, whether it's a magnet for your, for your, uh, for your fridge with the local sports team calendar, whatever it is. But my general practitioner, the guy I see once a year for an annual exam, I have to reach out to him once a, once a year just because I'm like, oh yeah, it's my birthday month. I should probably go get checked out, you know? Um, but why doesn't he actually have a drip campaign that's hitting? He's got my email and my phone number. He doesn't have to hire people to do this. What, why doesn't he actually have like a drip campaign that's hitting me up with some a, a text once a month and an email once a month or every other month, whatever? Paul, how's it going? You know, haven't seen you in a while. If you, you know, and here's the thing: this is not rocket science. I bought underwear from a company called Bombas a week ago. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just buy a ten pack of underwear like once a year or whatever. Like, don't ask me where they go. My kids like, I don't know. Somehow my wife throws them away. I don't know how this works. This is different, different podcast. Um, but like, they hit you up with an email, right? So I, I bought. Okay, then three days later, hey, Paul, uh, here's a $20 coupon and $20 for you to refer somebody else. And then three days later, hey, can we ask you a question? Click here, review us. We want it, right? It, there's this whole drip campaign. I love it. Like my, you know, the, the, my little beige flag, the weird thing that I do that everybody judges me for is I sign up for every newsletter I can. And then I, I, in my Gmail, I fil uh, filter them into different folders because I want to go back and say, okay, what does 1-800-CONTACTS do? What does their drip campaign to me look like, right? Versus, uh, you know, uh, um, PillPack, the, uh, the Amazon pharmacy service. And the thing is, like, this does not require teams of, like, 20 people. This requires a practice owner to say, I'm no different than the McDonald's, Right? What, what is marketing anyway? Marketing is not about advert. Mar People seem to think marketing and advertising are the same thing. They are not. Marketing is about making sure that when somebody has to make a decision, they choose you. Right? Um, and it's you, you made a comment actually in our last conversation that I, I, I've been thinking about ever since you said it. It was like, um, if I walked into a restaurant and I sat down and the first thing the server said was, hey, will you be paying by Visa, American Express, or cash today? I'd be like, fuck off, right? But that's exactly how it works in the healthcare space. I call in, you know, it happened actually this morning. I was actually scheduling an appointment for uh, my annual eye exam. I, I literally happened this morning. I called, I was like, hey, I'm, uh, I gotta just get my, my eyes checked out for the annual or whatever. And she says, um, what insurance are you using? Not, oh, cool, have you been here before? Or, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, do you have any problems or what, what's your availability? No, no, no. It was how, how are you going to pay me? And this is what's become normal. And I, I think one other statement I'll make here that I think that whether we're talking about a practice owner at the local level or, a, you know, a big tech company at the national level, here's what I believe about healthcare. The biggest winners, and you can define winner with money, freedom, power, however you want to define it, because it's all the same. Uh, the biggest winner in this industry will be the one that is consumer uh, uh, focused and healthcare native, right? Like I'm not going to be a doctor. I, I can't. I'm 42 years old. I, I can't pay attention for more than 20 seconds. Uh, can't stand the sight of blood. <laughs> I can't do any of this stuff, right? But 
you know, I am consumer obsessed. And I think that, you know, if we can help people do that um, and help them win, then we win, you know? And, and so anyway, I, I could keep Well, I'm, I'm going to, no, these, these are all really good. And, you know, I've been in it for so long. And, and I say this from a point of, right, I've been in it. It's that when you start to, I've been in it for so long, right? And, and I think one of the advantages, I'm, I'm going to call this advantage for you and I, is we existed in this world literally without everything we're talking about. And I think there is an advantage to that, right? So there was no internet. There was no access, right? The Sears catalog, the paper, um, and I don't say this to sound old. I'm talking about how information is being dispersed and how people are consuming information. And so people coming out into healthcare and believing they can start something and all they have to do is put their name out there, right? You know, it is insane how very little attention, right? You go to the newspaper, there are only like six ads on the left side, right? There yep. weren't. Yep. Yep. There weren't literally, there weren't 584,364 ads, right? Like there probably yep. are on Instagram and Facebook. So this world that we're progressing through, and I want everybody to take this for context, not as an excuse, not we're better. I just want you to understand that that when you when I'm scrolling through Instagram and everybody tells me how everything has to work and I'm like, no, you just have to get someone to stop and see you and then they got to see you again, then back to what you're saying, then they got to see you again. Then when they really need you, they have to understand that you were the one that they saw 500 times when they didn't need you, that now's the time to stop. So one time, three times, 500 isn't enough. Back to yeah. that. And then back to your doctor. So this fits in with, so, right, if I have this opportunity, here's the other thing you say about your doctor that people don't realize. Marketing is, I call, lead generation. And so if you're already a client of someone's, your highest value, your best dollar spent is on your current people. So if Paul has already been in my practice, there's more value to me, to me, I'm just going to say this, in investing a dollar in Paul and staying in touch with Paul from a retention, I call that retention side. It is retention, yeah. Right? Then investing a dollar in new leads because we all know that time, money, and energy to get a new lead in this world, everybody talks about low ads. I'm like, you realize they had to click, they, they had to see you like, I, I don't know, we can make it up and people claim to have numbers. But, you know, it's not you put your, well, I put a post out there and nobody engaged with it. I'm like, okay, walk down the street. How many people even make eye contact with you? And how many people could even tell you they saw you? That's yeah. the world. Walk down the middle of Fifth Avenue, you know, at 12 noon and think about, I just passed all those people. Nobody knows I exist. That, that's your Instagram post today, right? So th this retention mindset, right, is, is where I believe. And again, you got to understand marketing, you got to understand sales, and you got to understand the business basics, Back to what you're saying, right? Is that doesn't matter if it was a company. I love this. Well, tell me why you invested in the company in Wisconsin and a company in India. Well, business basics, right? They were all doing what they needed to do well, in their I'll, business. I'll tell you. Let me, I'll tell you the the punchy reason because the people that actually win, right, understand whether they can admit this or not in their own words. The real people that win in 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 uh, business are the ones that understand that innovation and entrepreneurship are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's good too. 
right? Like Elon Musk, love him or hate him, doesn't matter. The fact is to go to Mars requires innovation. Innovation is effectively the idea of building something new, something that doesn't exist. But let's just use, let's come back to healthcare. We don't need to innovate in healthcare. Healthcare no, does don't. not need innovation. I don't want my eye doctor innovating. I just, but, but they should be entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurship is about getting shit done, doing more things in a given time period than anybody else and, and, and reaping the benefits of it. It's unsexy, right? People, people, you know, you go on Instagram and you scroll through there and all this, like, you know, it's just visual porn, right? It's entrepreneurship porn and all that stuff. The reality is, is like, there's no overnight success here. I'm not an overnight success. You aren't either, right? Here's the funny thing. Your business and my business should not exist. If, if more people in healthcare were unromantic about this industry yeah. and recognizing, uh, able to recognize the fact that there's nothing different between a practice owner uh, uh, and a Chick-fil-A franchise, if they would just do that, it would put you and me out of business overnight. I agree. I agree. I agree. Which is, I always default to why I'm in healthcare. Because if I was in another industry, I'd have to get a job. <laughs> well, you're you're a much more noble man than me. I, I'm a blood-sucking capitalist. Man. Yeah, and well, I, I, no, but you, you, you know. know what I'm saying, right? That this, someone asked me something. I said, I could be one of the best salesmen in healthcare, right? Anywhere. And I'm going to say that out loud. If I left healthcare... Oh shit! I'd fall down the fucking ladder. I mean, look, healthcare as a percentage. I mean, let's just use the U.S. as number. Healthcare as a percentage of GDP is larger than heck, and right? it's larger than most other. You could stack and, up other countries, and it still ain't as big as we we right. And think about them yeah, more. think about that, man. In the tech world, if we get a hundred million dollar exit, we're like, oh hell yeah. We get a billion dollar exit, we're like, yep, we're set. Right? This industry. Like we're talking tens of billions. Like the, the, there's going to be an Apple of healthcare eventually, right? A Apple, most people don't realize this. Apple keeps more cash on hand than most of the EU. Oh, combined. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have right? seen these numbers. Yeah. Right. And so, so the reality and, and is. You know that, who hates that idea? You know who hates that realization in that future? Everybody within healthcare. Because when you see these articles come out and you read it, and you read it from a broad perspective and you read it from a high level, you're going, okay, there are things in here. Let me grab. Every time yeah. I see one of those, I'm like, let me grab it. Everybody else is going, well, that won't work. I'm yeah. like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep coming back to this because I don't want to lose sight because this is my mantra is, and someone said, I just got a email from someone in, um, in Indonesia who's been, following my content, engaging with me. He sent me the breakdown. He took my last like podcast and he sent me what he created from the last podcast. And he goes, I put this, instituted this in my business. And he said, I really like when you said patient success is business success. He says, it's, it not only resonates with me, but it resonates with my employees, my team. And so again, we're talking about serving people. So I, you know, when, well, well, by the way, when you get paid, so if, when I treat Paul at 10 o'clock and I get paid for that, I can take that money and reinvest it into my own business so I can help more people in my community. This isn't, again, 
By the way, I am definitely left of center when it comes to most things, but when it comes to money and finances, I'm way right of center. And yes, I'm a lot like you. There is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be paid, paid more, paid fairly, call it whatever you want, right. for creating success for our patients who seek our services. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I want to be respectful of your audience. I know we're going long here, but I'll just say, I'll say two things. Well, it'll get cut up, you know, maybe. You know, I, Maybe, you know, here's the thing. Uh, first off, uh, let's just talk, let's just use numbers as an example here, right? Because, you know, you said patient success is business success, but I agree with that. But let's, let's just kind of. Well, you can't numbers. say but, you have to say and in my world though. Okay. You can, and, you say all and. right, fine. And let's put some numbers on it for the people in the back. Uh, let's look at Netflix. Well, that, that seems like a brand that everybody knows. So as the time, as we record this, uh, Netflix market cap. Let me Google this. Netflix market cap. Just stick with me. There's a reason I'm going to tell you this. Today, Netflix market cap is $165 billion. billion. Okay. Yeah. Now let's just put this into billion with a B. So let's, mm -hmm. um, let's put this into perspective. I don't know what I pay for Netflix, but I'm pretty sure it's about $15 a month. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm either at 12 or 15. Something like that. Yeah. So let's just multiply that out. 15 by 12, I'm worth about 180 bucks a year to these people. Okay. So 180 bucks a year, you basically realize, once you understand the math behind this, 180 bucks a year to get to $165 billion market cap, it's really about acquiring customers, retaining them. Retaining them. Point, right. All this stuff it's the same as what we're talking about here, right? Like, you know, it should, this shouldn't be rocket science, you know? Um, so one other thing I'll just throw out there as an idea, and we can always talk about it later or just dump it later or whatever, is um, we did a little study in our portfolio a couple of years ago where we uh, surveyed the founders of all these companies that we've invested in and asked them to show, tell us about their highest um, education. All right. Oh boy. <laughs> If somebody hasn't uh, stopped listening, this is where they're going to stop listening. So if oh, you can yeah. imagine this, so, and then we plotted that against financial outcome, right? So, so what, you know, who created all the value? So here's the interesting part. The likelihood to create large financial windfalls, you know, success increases uh, as you graduate high school. It then jumps up and gets to a higher uh, probability when you get accepted to college stays level yeah. right and then drops as education say, advances increases, right yeah. and now the two things that are interesting there first is the uh probability of financial returns actually um does not change from the time you accept a college admission and when you graduate so in other words just the acceptance so if you even graduate enough. right is yeah. that yeah. in there too uh, yeah, I'm just well, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, so in other words, a college dropout is just as likely to, yep. to, to get that. Right. Success. That, that's, that's where I would say it, but, but that college acceptance thing is interesting. Once you start adding in all these two and three letter, uh, little abbreviations after your name, the probability starts to go down. And it's because, you know, our, at least our hypothesis with a couple thousand founders and, and all that stuff is that the hypothesis is that, um, what happens is to get to these higher levels of education, to become a doctor and all these things, you can't be wrong. Whereas with entrepreneurship, you need to embrace being wrong. Like, man, if I knew who the next LinkedIn was going to be, I wouldn't invest in 3,000 other companies. I'd just invest in that one. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, 
And so when we think about, you know, uh, healthcare, I think it's really about just somehow peeling away this romanticism and this defensive sort of wall that exists because everybody's sort of hiding it under like, oh, I want better outcomes, whatever. It, like, it, this is like, this is how conferences go, right? You, you know, guy gets on stage, gal gets on stage, you know, she's doing her keynote, we're killing it, we're crushing it, whatever the, whatever the cool terms are these days. And then at the after party, they get two beers in them and they're just like, oh, fuck, this sucks. That sucks. Da, 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 da. It's hard. Da, da, da. In other words, there's that like dissonance there, right? There's, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. So that was just the face. Okay. You know, and anyway, I could go on about this for hours and hours. I just think that ultimately companies like yours and mine shouldn't exist. I also think, you know, we'll talk about this in another episode or whenever you want, but like, you know, software should be free, you, you know? Uh, there, you shouldn't have to integrate all these things. Uh, but then on top of that, the other thing I think is, is that given that this is a David versus Goliath battle, right? The payers make the rules. We don't, you and I don't make the rules. The reality is all those tools can't be bolted together. Scheduling, reviews, uh, CRM, email, they can't be bolted together um, because they kind of all have to be billing aware, right? How do I tie it? Like when I get a, a portfolio update, so all of our portfolio has to mail in an update or email an update every quarter, right? From the board or from their, for their investors. Um, it's usually like one page, right? Here's how many customers we acquired. Here's what our uh, average revenue per user or customer or account is. Here's what the churn rate was for the quarter. Here's what the expected lifetime value of this cohort is. Those four numbers tell us everything we need about tech businesses. And I would bet you, I would bet you that that's the same for medical practices as well. Doesn't matter whether we're talking dental, physical therapy, pediatrics, it's, you know. And oh, by the way, you don't even have to trust me on this. Don't even trust me on this. Just look at the fact that there's these massive private equity firms rolling everybody up. Yeah. They're not idiots. <laughs> they they figured it, they figured out the metrics. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's yeah. Maybe on the next one we dive down into what I hear and see. You know, because right, you 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 get what you reward. You know, and this is that other thing. If you're not quite sure, so I agree because the the deeper we go into education, I say the the tighter the blinders get. That's step number one is that's where I thought you were going initially, because what happened? I remember my journey, right? Every step of the way, it got tighter and tighter and tighter, right? The classes I was taking started like this, then like this, then like this. And then so we get the blinders on. That's number one. Number two, then, is you're told you're never wrong and you're punished for being wrong. Let's go that direction. You're punished for these are my two favorite things about school in the U.S. You're punished for being wrong. Think about everything Paul just said. Punished for being wrong, and you're punished for group work mostly. And group mm -hmm. work is rarely giving. Mm -hmm. And so all, all of these factors come together to go, hmm, the data you collect, hmm, right? Wow. It falls into place with that. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, you start, quote, unquote, remember where I started here, it's too easy to start a business in healthcare, and we have these people that have moved beyond the end of your spectrum saying, I'm going to do this, but you're not going to fucking tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, and yeah. we start something. I was on Facebook this morning, start something. 
we invest our time, money, and energy. We quit a full-time job. We commit to our family. We're going to do this right. And you post in a fucking public Facebook group. I need, you know, can someone tell me how to start my marketing? Yeah. I'm like, yep. you're done already. Yeah. And then those people, because I get to see the telling, blame the system. They're the ones who show back up on Facebook. Oh, I haven't been here a while. And they'll tell you their whole journey. And I'm like, so what do we do with this journey? Should we be excited? Am I supposed to attach to this? <laughs> Misery loves company, man. And that that's why coaching groups, coaching groups in healthcare, I see people's feedback. I, I saw this the other day. I, I want to, I do want to, belabor this point because I want people just with some self-awareness to step back and go, okay, I heard this. So, so where can I go next for this? That that's all I want people to do from this. I saw someone in a Facebook group. I love the group I'm in because they have the same problems I do. And I paused and I went, I joined EO because people had more zeros than I did. They were more successful than I was. I knew they maybe didn't have an answer, but they would ask better questions. I did not want to be in a fucking group paying my fucking money to people who had the same fucking problems I did. That is a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. yep. And if you're coming from that, right? Because then I use this example in the, right? Everybody has the same problem. Then someone shows up just like you with your practice who's being successful. And what's everybody do? They shun that person mm -hmm. instead of going, Oh, maybe we can learn. Yep. Yeah. So to double back on all this, and we must address this, and we must be self-aware in healthcare to do this so we can get to the places that you're talking about, Paul, so we can start thinking this way. I have, um, uh, there's so many directions to go here, but I want to share a little bit of this because I make my clients report one, uh, four numbers only. And you tell me if this sounds familiar, active clients, new clients, cancels, and drop-offs. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm like, that, that's, that's what matters. Yep. That's what matters. So, oh, sorry, discharges, because that's, uh, sorry, five, 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 because I want that math. That math to me, that's the business math, right? And so everybody will show you, and I did it. Oh my God, I had an Excel sheet with metrics. Like you wouldn't believe, Paul, I was so proud of myself. I had columns and columns of metrics. I couldn't tell you which one mattered. Yep, 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 yep. Man. So it's it just, the, 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 right? This stuff can come together. It, it, you know, the best, two of the best books I've read this year. What, what is it? Hold on. I always forget the title. When Coffee and Kel Compete. Yeah. Do you know that book? Are you familiar? Uh, only because you've told me about it. Oh, okay. It, yep. It's about, it's kind of this, it follows this. It's not the jobs to be done guy because I know he's patented that and that's his old thing. But it's this mindset around what, what is the job? What, what is the job to be done? And what I love about it, and I'll share with everybody, I highly recommend it because it's going to make you look at this person. This is what else healthcare has done, Paul. You look at a person through their life. We look at a person through this small, tiny spectrum of these next three months. And we, and by the way, right, we, and it impacts people getting better. It impacts the outcomes. It impacts everything. But we go here where you're talking about going here. And I'm like, 
And the day I started to get my clients to start to build these systems and processes to great acknowledge as part of the journey, but you, one of my most successful clients has done so much work around this and is doing a very good job at it of getting people in and saying, we understand your journey here, but the first thing he does is find out what, it, what is this journey you're on? And right. a lot of combat athletes, a lot of CrossFitters. So, right. Well, there's, there's, there's like a CrossFit competition every freaking three months, it seems like. So, and mm -hmm. that's their life journey. So, yep. okay, how do we impact that? And how do we get someone to engage with us even when this, what I call course of care is over? That's yep. the other thing. Everybody with their licensings, we can only manage people when they're injured. I'm like, what's yep. that rule? Who, yep. who wrote that rule, right? Yep. So just, you know, and I love it because as soon as you said the free breast pumps, I was like, oh, they, what were they selling? The God knows what part of the equipment they were selling on a monthly, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean... I think my biggest hope uh, uh, from from you know kind of maybe recording this with you, for example, is just getting people to think a little bit different. Yeah, you know? I, I want self awareness. I, yeah. I want I want better self awareness of where am I currently? What do I know? What do I don't know? Let me own that, and then how can I serve? Right? Yeah, and yeah. meaning serve yeah. my customer, my client, my patient that, better. That, that's right. That's right. Um, the other thing I kind of hope is I'm I'm curious. Uh, I hope people if they whether they love one of the ideas or they want to just like blatantly heckle me, just email me. I love that. I love all yeah. of it. So just Paul, it's well, yeah, because it makes you, you like it because it makes you think, okay, what is it? Right. What did yeah. I say? What part of this? And then it but, makes you go, Hmm, maybe I need right. to consider that. In the that's exactly right. Yeah. I'm not trying to be right. I don't actually know what right is, I, but I know what wrong is right. Wrong is having to chase your dollars. Wrong is, uh, uh, you know, not, Wrong is not like, worrying about your dollar in the first that. place. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was talking to one of our clients, um, went out to dinner with him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were just chatting. And, and, you know, he gives me a hard time all the time because, like, I'm, I'm really big on our collection rate. 99.99. We, you know, we published that. this. It's six digits past the zero. By the way, you can go on Strata's website, and you can they can pull up the dashboard, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. You yeah, don't have right. to log into anything. Nope, it's all free. Go to, so um, Paul sent this to me first. And then I lost the link and I went, oh my God, I can't log back so, in. And then I just went there and found it. But it's Strata and then just go to Dashboard and you'll see they're, they, they're constantly updating yeah. their revenue cycle go, management metrics. Well, go to stratapt.com slash benchmarks. And then you can either go click into payer metrics or practice metrics. And we're adding more and more metrics with our aggregate data now. Um, and I'm because, getting Paul to change it from payment to reimbursement. And I'm going to say this publicly to hold his feet to the fire. The other way, reimbursement to payment. Yeah, you want me to sorry, go to payment. Sorry, yeah. God, yeah. I can't yeah. believe I said it backwards. Yeah, but, but you know, ultimately, though, uh, I, I think the point is, though, is that, you know, I, I don't know what's right, but I do know what's wrong, you know. Um, and I think, I think that a lot of people in their heart also know that, but it's really just themselves. Like, that's the other way to say this nothing's actually holding a practice owner from growing their practice into what they want it to be. Right. It's, it's not like somebody's holding a gun to their head and saying like, Nope, you will not grow. <laughs> it's, it's really just getting over that mental hurdle. You know, I'm not going to bullshit myself anymore. Right. I need to be calling a hundred of my previous patients a day or a week or a month. Oh, Oh, you know, it's not actually calling. You can do a voice drop. There's like services for $9 a month there, where you record the audio one time and just yeah. drop it, you know? 
So, but it's just that mental hurdle. And if, if that, if even one person drops that mental uh, hurdle uh, by listening to this episode, it was well worth it, regardless of whether they ever become a client. No, I, I agree too. I, I agree too, Paul. I, I just, I, I want a couple people to step back and go, Hmm, this, sound, by the way, I, I, I'm going to go one step higher. I just want to go, Hmm, that sounded interesting. The whole damn thing. Right. And um, real quick, real quick, I want to go back to this revenue cycle management thing. So with Strata PT, you, you can have someone, and I don't know if, how, how broad I'm going to be here, Paul. So I'm just going to ask a question. You can have someone in house doing billing. Are you, are, I, I got to ask this. Sorry. Here's no, the question. Fine. Are Bring you a bill? Are you the billing company? We are. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Sorry. No, that, that's yeah. a question I needed answered. I wasn't. Yeah. Thinking. But the, the 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 subtle but important difference though is that uh, it's mostly computers and code. You know, we're look. We're a team of thirty. At the time of this recording, we're a team of thirty-two people, all in the U.S. and all that stuff. But unlike everybody else, you know. Mm, at least half of those people don't actually do anything with RCM. They do product development, uh, code, you know, email marketing, content, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, we like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the gist, you know? So when we look at our volume and stuff like that, we're not a call center. We're not any of that stuff. Um, you know, you said something a few minutes ago, uh, but just to make the point on any given week, you know, when you look at our new clients that onboard every week and all that, um, anecdotally, I would say 75% of them are joining us because they're coming from something like WebPT or others where they bolted together a bunch of pieces of software and, you know, just finally realize like, you know, you can't just get away with 80% or 70% of your collections or whatever. And then the other 25% or so that of people that join us is because they're in-house biller, the one with all that institutional knowledge that you talked about, retired or quit or died. And, you know, it's like, oh God, what do I do next? You know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, so yeah, we are the billing company and um, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun doing it, but Yet, yeah. yet, I, I want to say this. Let me take this in and then I'm going to stop talking. Call, no, call me out, man. No, no, no. Strata PT as a billing company also, I'm just going to say this, is a, is a revenue cycle management company first, I would argue. And so yeah. don't think billing company. You've got to think bigger and broader. You've got to think bigger and broader. Yeah, yeah that's right. To, because we got to be careful with our words. And, and I Re don't want people, I don't want the one takeaway to hear, oh, they're a billing company Pe because it's people. not, I've been there. I've looked at it. I've looked at different products this year before I even met Paul. And then I saw what he was doing. And yeah. asking you know, the, here, here's the thing. Like if we were drawing this on a whiteboard, here's the biggest difference between us and everybody else, in my opinion. Um, everybody else, if you were to draw a box for RCM, they'll just draw a box for RCM. And then next to it, they'll draw a box for EMR. And then next to that, they'll draw a box for scheduling. And next to that will be CRM. And next, right? For us, all of that is RCM. It's all baked into the product. We don't have API integrations because A, you shouldn't have to. And B, it, it doesn't really work that way, right? Like when a patient walks in the door, that's not just a hundred bucks a, a visit. That's 600 bucks an episode or, or occurrence that's, you know, 1500, 1800 bucks a year. Forget that Paul, forget that Paul. When they called the clinic, they were yeah. a $600 
episode. There you I go. I just want to say that. Yeah, there you go. Right? Again, of what you've integrated. So all yeah. the better. You've heard my story. I went around to my old EMR and said, can you change these two drop down so I can manage people better during this phase from scheduled to arrived? Because yeah. all they were worried about and all my EMR was worried about was someone who arrived. And I'm like, but I have all these leads mm -hmm. and I have mm -hmm. nowhere to put them and I have no way to manage them and I have no way. And I have, yeah. I, I, I love this term. I jerry rigged. That's really <laughs> right. It's perfectly, perfectly appropriate. One, like one thing. And for all the years I had this product, I only looked at one report and one report only. And it was yeah. the one I jerry rigged. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So we're super opinionated. We're super expensive. We're all that stuff, you know, like just we're, uh, we're, super we're, expensive. No, yeah. I've no, we've talked about that. No, you're well, not. The value is fucking huge. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, I, so here's the thing. Here's another like unsolicited piece of business advice. People think business is about attracting customers. That's not true because if that was true, you would know where the customers are and you'd attract them. Business is about repelling everybody that doesn't I, matter. I agree 100%. So I am expensive. We're 7%. We're 7% of everything we collect, no other fees, no other software. You can actually cancel your EMR fees. You can cancel all your scheduling tools, cancel all the other software you use to run. But we are at, on paper, the most expensive now total cost of ownership. Yeah. Of all not. of it. And deliverables, but, deliverables. But I, I'm, I'm just trying to get the people listening to this that, that hear that and immediately turn off, just turn off and go away, go away, run your crappy little business. that isn't going to go anywhere and just keep complaining to your Facebook group about why business is hard. And right. you do that while the rest of everybody else figures out how to make a fuck ton of money. Right. And can cut off at four o'clock to go have ice cream with their kids. That, I love I know that analogy because I always say, are you going to miss another soccer game? Yeah, are you going to miss another yeah. ballet recital? Yeah. Are you going to miss another choir? Yeah. And, choir and look, you know, I, I, one of the things I love about you, Jerry, is, is you don't pull any punches. And I think, you know, and I also love that you're not apologetic about it. Because I think the thing is, is somewhere along the way in healthcare, especially professionalism uh, got equated to not telling people what you really think. Right. That, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, like, I don't want the, I don't want the guy building my patio to do everything I, I said, because if I did, if he did everything I told him to do, you'd have crooked foundations and all this other stuff. I actually want him saying, Paul, you can have anything you want, as long as it's this. Right. right? right. That's why you bring him yeah. in. Right. Hey, hey Paul, need? you told you, you told me this, that you, you wanted to this? hang with your kids outside with bonfires every night. Here's the badass kitchen. Oh, it's going to cost you sixty grand, but that's the kitchen. Oh wait, <laughs> it can't cost that much. And you're like, wait a minute, I just told you how much it was going to cost for what yeah. you told me you wanted, and yeah. now you're telling me I can't. The one thing you can't tell me is I can't charge that. You can tell oh. me you're not going to buy it. Wait. Yeah, my um, I love. We have a great. You. We have a great client. I'll just tell you the story real quick. We have this great yeah, client. Go. He's a super good dude. And I was out to dinner with him a couple months ago before he was a client. And, you know, we were just shooting the shit. You know, you, you know how it goes. You, you get a good rapport. Like you and I, we've only known each other a couple of months, but I, I think we could talk some shit at each other at a bar and have a good time with it, right? And then leave and still be friends. So anyway, you know, guy says, oh, I'm, I'm on WebPT. I got their billing thing, da, da, da. And, you know, I, I think it's like 80, 85% is what they're collecting. And, you know, yeah, they keep 5%. That's fine. I make a couple million bucks a year. I'm happy. 
So anyway, as we left, uh, I, I happened to go out like two seconds before he did. He stopped at the restroom on the way out. I just threw 20 bucks on the floor. I just threw 20 bucks on the floor, just, just planted it there. Anyway, I turned around, played dumb. He comes out. He's got this big shit-eating grin on his face. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, oh, dude, I just took a piss and I got 20 bucks. Look at this. And I was like, oh, so you do think every penny matters. Fucking multi multimillionaire here bent over to pick up $20. and he In the restroom, dude. Yeah, that. and he has to tell me, and he wants to tell me that 80% doesn't matter, right? That's what we're talking about here, you know? Like, by the way, on, on and, 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 this is like illegal in other ways. Like if I dock any of my employees one penny of their, 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 their wages, Department of Labor comes after my ass, right? Right, but here it's okay. And, you know, whoever the PR people are for RCM and for, for, for payers and stuff, man, they've earned their money because somehow we've made it acceptable. We've made it acceptable to say, uh, hey, I treated your patient. Please, please, guys, will you pay me? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so what I, what I find Actually, really- We don't even ask for payment. We ask for reimbursement. Yeah, there you go. There you go, right? Um, you know, but anyway, that's probably a different episode. We and then you complain reviews. how much you have to pay your staff. Hold up. Yeah. I've right? got, I, I got, got to throw this in there's so much great stuff in the work we're doing separately yet it right i give my clients all the time i don't give it well i mean i guess i do get into their revenue cycle management whatever it is but i want to know you know roughly collected whatever it is whether it's cash or out of network but everybody keeps coming to me and going how much do i pay my my employees and i'm like until we put the business numbers down and we understand this, I have no fucking idea. Look, you, you know what? And then they complain. Everybody wants too much. I'm like, what are they driving? They're your product, by the way. What are they driving? Well, you know, here, here the answer to that question, by the way, look, like, here's my stance. Here's the advice I give people if they want to keep their billing in-house. You know, and again, billing oh, being one part yeah, of this RCM. Is good. This will be you good. Know? Yep. So, so like, of course, billing is one part of RCM, but hey, some people want to keep it in-house. That's okay. My advice to them is this. Number one, you need to have more than one person. So if you're gonna keep billing in-house, you need to have at least three people, at least three. Second thing, and this is the part that's, uh, that's always alarming to people is, they should be paid a base salary plus a percentage of the collections because that's how you incentivize them to go, you know, pound the phones and do whatever's necessary that to catch last, every- that last 20%. Exactly. When you're you're margin, get, yeah, that's fun. You, so what's your margin? 20%. Well, just give it away and tell me how it goes. Right. That's it. Oh yeah. And you'll get even more loyal people. Right. So you're billing people not only should be the highest paid in your practice, but they should be commission based, just like every other enterprise salesperson in every other industry. So, so th this is right. This is what I do. I bring in, right, train the front desk sales. And I'm like, you got a commission on them. And they're like, what? And I'm, I tell them the same thing about back end. That this is what we do, Paul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Every and other yet, industry does this, right? Like, you haven't met, have you met anybody? Have you met anybody doing that? I have not. No. Uh, mm -hmm. Neither have I, Paul. Mm -hmm. I've been in this 30 years. You and I know this. And I'm like, yeah. You know what they do? They hire their sisters, brothers, cousins, exactly. garbage collectors, kid exactly. to do the billing. Exactly. This goes back to those like forms of leverage, right? Let's when yeah, we get to that yes, idea of yes, leveraging yes, people. Yes, yes. Leveraging people, if you're if you're still with me from this, leveraging people gets a bad rap because if you don't think about it, it's like, oh, 
Paul's just like beating up on poor labor, you know, and whatever. No, no, no. The reason I've been this successful in my life is not because I'm a genius. I'm not. It's not because I work harder than anybody else. I don't. I'm the laziest bastard you know. It's because the incentives are aligned. The president of my hosting companies makes a shit ton of money, but also stands to lose it if our margins go down. Okay. Our, uh, the invest, uh, the, the venture capital firm, I don't have to manage it day to day because it hits their own pockets. Right. You know, uh, so, so that's how it goes. It's, it, you align incentives, everything. Um, Charlie Munger, everybody knows Warren Buffett, but Charlie Munger is his right-hand guy. And really and Charlie does Jeff a lot of the work. Warren and say Charlie's the brains of the business. He would. Yeah. yeah. And Charlie has this uh, saying in his book where he says, you show me a man's incentives. I'll show you what they do. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That, that, and that thing gets butchered all the time, but man, I think about that every day when I'm reading shit online or. Right. Right. And I'm like, who's signed, right? Who signed yeah. your paycheck? I'm like, that's right. And by the way, I don't mean that as a job, even as an entrepreneur. So right. who's signing your paycheck? That's where, exactly where is right. That cash yeah. coming from? Yeah. People, you know, um, this is like one of the common problems I have to deal with just on a personal note as I kind of build my businesses uh, over the years is that if people aren't careful, what they hear me saying is, oh, you just want to like turn everything to a, into a scorecard and like, you know, push it down and work people to death and whatever. It's like, no, show me any of my employees and any of my businesses that feel that way. Our glass door reviews on everything are through the roof, right? But the analogy I give to people when that conversation comes up is, is like, look, if you own a building, okay? If you own a building and let's say you've got a janitor or a facilities manager running that building. And then people, and I'm like, yeah, you following me? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. All right. So let's say we need to expand to another building. Do you want that janitor making that decision? And they're like, no, absolutely not. I'm like, why? Like, well, that's the guy that cleans the building or runs the HVAC. Why would I let him pick another building? I'm like, sure. Exactly. Exactly. You need to start thinking about your business just like any other production line, right? Or any other business here. Like in this case, you have guys that run the building, guys that manage the building and guys that pick the building. Let's not be, let's not be romantic about this, right? Same thing with production, uh, pr production lines. The guy that actually, you know, or the gal that actually screws the bolts in on the Ford production line is not the same one that's drawing the sketches or doing the industrial design for next year's production line. Not because they're dumb or anything like that, but because it's a different job. Right? So speaking about leveraging people, I'm going to pull that back into what the, the listeners are doing. So I say this all the time. We have over leveraged. We have tapped out. We have fucked up. We have, we we're constantly squeezing the providers. Do what? Bill more, see more, deliver more. Right. And yet we don't, we've done nothing with these people that you and I have talked about this whole damn call. The billing people, the front end people. I keep saying your biggest ROI in your business today, you and I may, well, in your business today, let's just say they're outsourcing to you. The biggest leverage I'm like is your front desk, right? Because yeah, yeah. I'm like, take the money you're paying the provider. What's the ROI, right? You, you think you need to hire another $80,000 employee to drive volume. I'm like, I can, I can buy $15 employee at the front desk. I'll, I'll give you the biggest ROI you've ever seen in your life in yeah. your business. So again, leveraging the people in the cycle. 
Let's go back to this word cycle. Mm -hmm. Front end, right? I called the, the entry point to the business. You know how my journey started here, Paul? I don't think I had shared this with you. My journey of getting to where I am and doing the business I'm doing today was a billing problem. That wasn't a billing problem. It yeah. was sending out statements two months later that people weren't prepared for. We spent all this time, money, and energy fixing our billing problem. It didn't change. Negative reviews, yeah. negative yeah. reviews. Living in the Bay Area during the advent of Yelp was a good thing and a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go to mm -hmm. my front desk, change the expectations around when you will see a bill, what this statement means, everything before they ever arrived. My billing problems disappeared leveraging the team members, right? Not yeah. yelling at the billing company. Again, this is, do you want to prevent the cancel or do you just want to manage a cancel? Do you want to prevent a billing problem or do you want to teach people, right? Do you want to teach people who sit in the back and do billing because they probably don't like confrontation and they don't want to deal with people? Do you yeah. want to make them do that? Oh, yeah. Surprise. They're poor at that. That's your fault, not their yeah. fault. You know, like, here's a crazy idea, by the way, just from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, because I know this is something you're doing with your your other business as well. But it's like the recruiting pipeline. Let's just recruit your front desk should be people that you recruit out of Chick-fil-A. They understand oh, dude, customer 100%. service. They know how to talk. Like with 500, we have this rule where we basically say, like, you know, um, we can train a monkey venture capital, but we can't untrain an asshole. And so for us, That's like all, awesome, all of our recruiting is done through startup communities. Who's the local organizer, right? They don't look like a VC or venture capitalist, but we can teach them. That's just math. We can teach them that. But if you can like make friends and talk to people and all that stuff, that's what we really need. Dude, you were right. out in California. My, my gig is because, right. Chick-fil-A took so long to get out here. It just saw so I'm dialed in, in and out Burger. I yeah. tell people I go to in and out Burger and hope there's a line because I want to sit and wait and watch the match. It's fun. In front of me. I hate when I go into an in and out Burger and I'm like, oh, fuck, they're going to give me my order fast. I'm not going to get to see this. Right. And, and I sit purpose. I said, you guys ever, you realize when you walk into an in and out Burger, you can see the whole place when you're picking up your order. So that's purposeful. Go through the drive-through. It's surrounded with windows. Go to a Taco Bell drive-thru. You can't even see inside. There's a reason. Go to In-N-Out Burger, right? Yeah. I'm like, there's a reason. So I sit there and go, oh, I wonder if this person wants another a new job yeah. and wants, right. I wonder yeah. where this per. yeah, hey, uh, hey, uh, you like your job here? Hey, yeah. uh, you know, that's yeah. me all the time. One of my best front desk people ever. I had a business over a Starbucks, Paul, and you know where this is going. And I was going in and out all the time. You know me, I talked to everybody. Finally, one day I was like, they were like, where do you work? And I'm like, upstairs, I have a PT office. <laughs> and they go, I used to work at a PT office. And I go, here's my number, call me. And she called and she was one of my best front desk people ever, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's not, at the end of the day, business isn't... Um, Right. Easy, and here we are back to the beginning. It doesn't matter what the business is, right? It's, it's, it's all the same. I, you know, um, uh, one of our portfolio companies called me, um, uh, this is probably a few months ago now, uh, enterprise sales, that sort of stuff is what they sell some software. Um, and he was telling me his problems and, and, you know, he's running out of cash and all that stuff. And I was like, look, uh, David, how many calls is your enterprise sales guy doing a day? It's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, look, the call's over. Find out, then you call me back. He says, uh, 
he calls me back that afternoon or texts me that afternoon. Yeah, yeah, uh, John over here, he's, it looks like I'm looking at the CRM. He's, he's calling about 20 guys a day. You know, he says he's working hard or whatever. And I was like, I, I don't care whether he's working hard. I'm sure he is. Uh, I said, look, here's the deal. Uh, high activity, low anxiety. H- high anxiety usually means low uh, activity, right? Like those are, those are like on opposite sides of the spectrum. I may not have said that right, but right. High activity. No, I think you anxiety. did. I, I yeah. think I heard it. We were hearing it the first time. Right. So. And so I was like, look, you tell him that uh, his seven-day average needs to be 200 calls a day or he's fired. You tell him that it's coming from me because I'm the investor, but you just tell him it's coming from me uh, and, and um, we're going to burn him on the reviews if, if he tries to use this as a reference. I wasn't trying to be a dick, but just hear me out. Um, making 200 calls a day is actually probably impossible when you're talking about it. Uh, yeah, right. Enterprise yeah. Sales. But the, it's the principle. By, by aiming for 200 a day, he went from whatever it was, 20 calls a day to something more like 81 days, yeah, 60 I was the say next 80, day, right? Yeah, that's what I was right? going to say. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the pipeline warmed up, you know, and that's a company where the sales cycle is like 80, 90 days, right? So if I start to warm that up now, I'll see the cash 90 days later in the purchase orders and stuff like that. That company today is doing something like $6 million for 2023. It looks like they're going to do maybe eight to 10 next year. Because it's it's just it's just basic blocking and tackling, so that's the thing these practice owners need to understand is like, you know, understand what business you're in. You're in the business of healthcare, right? That's something you and I can't do. Well, you you can. You used to be a PT, right? But I can't. But like, know what business you're in, and then make sure you partner. Well, if you're going to do it in house, make sure you're incentivizing people to do the right thing. And if you're not able to do that, or you don't want to do that, make sure you pick somebody that is incentivized the same way, right? Like, I don't mean to like pick on WebPT, but the thing is they just raised rates another 30% or whatever it is for their software. Like that just went straight to the bottom line for them, right? And it comes out of the profitability for every client out here. The incentives are not aligned. This is why I believe software should be free. Software should be free. It's free in almost every other industry. Right? You know, I had a hard time getting to that and I didn't realize that when we we're engaging with our EMR companies who did billing. I'm like, you're billing software. I'm like, you're taking this off the back end. Why are we paying you a fee? You know, it was just, it just, the math, you know, the math wasn't mathing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I was smart. It was just one day. I, and by the way, I did it forever. So it was just one day going, what, why are we doing this? Yeah. And then the deliverables, man, the deliverables. I'm like, why does nobody your example of the guy in the restroom is too good. And I sit across from people every week going, here's what you're losing a month. Here's what you're losing a year in your business. And I'm doing it from the front end, Paul. Yeah. I'm not even looking at billing. I'm just, just give me your averages, right? I'm just yeah. going with the numbers they have. Yeah. And I'm like, what's your tolerance level? I literally finally got on a call because I used to get on these call with people and I'd run their numbers and I wouldn't get excited for what they were losing. I got a little bummed, but I'm like, cool, now they're going to know. Now they can make a change. And I'd bring them those numbers and we'd walk through it. And I love it because I have a process where you have to verify everything I have before I show you the loss, because otherwise you're going to tell me it's not real. And then we get to the loss and I'm like, cool, when are we going to start? I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. So finally, last week for the first time ever, I showed him the number and I went, we talked about it a little bit and I went, so I guess you guys want to take the next step. And I stopped myself and I went, oops, sorry. 
let me rephrase what I just said, because I've had people actually look at these numbers and tell me no. I said, now that you know the number, do you want to do something about it? And that's what I'm going to start doing to people, because if nothing else, they have to walk away owning that number. And part of me is like, if we don't do business, okay, back to your point. We weren't going to be successful, but I want you walking away knowing this. Right, right. And b- back to all your stuff, right? So when you go to the dashboard and you see what Strata PT is doing in their business, compare it to your current benchmarks and then tell me why you wouldn't schedule a call. And I'm, by the way, I earn nothing from Paul except for I like him, right? And that's why I'm talking about this. Why would you not schedule a call with someone and go, okay, I just saw this. I got questions. Cool. What questions you, you, you can, have, right? You, you can hold me to this. Uh, you know, I, I'm not making this up. Uh, our sales team has no quotas, yeah, this has no sales, has no uh, expiring offers. Like it literally, like for us, we will gladly tell you how to do it yourself. Like we give away everything. We are the most one of our core values is just radical transparency. We are just so transparent. That's why we give away everything. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I don't care if you use us. We, we should not exist as a company. Like that feels wrong, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, and before anybody's like, oh, well then Paul, why are you even doing it? You want to be an asshole, right? It's because like, there's a bunch of like shitty middlemen that do a piss oh. poor job and are glad to take your money doing it. So we need to do it better than them. Right. But again, this industry shouldn't exist. So, yeah, yeah, you you know, know, and and I love all that. I love all that. And. Yeah. And, you know, I would just say the better, right, the better you as an owner, as someone who is an owner in healthcare, Right. So I can mm -hmm. speak from this perspective. You know, I told you I had my list of metrics of which I realized only three or four of them were really valuable. The other ones I should have been tracking, but they should have been dropped down to where I didn't look at them, you know. And if you understand your revenue cycle management and you understand the, shall we say, the the ebbs and flows and you understand that, then you're going to be a better business owner, not a practice owner. I will always, I think I said this to you last time, Paul, it just cracks me up that the only place in all of business world is healthcare. You call it a practice. I'm like, something deep down that that, that's that, right. yeah. that kills yeah. me. But now that I think about it, there's a reason we call it a practice because that's you can't right. call it a business. That's but right. The better that's you right. know that, the revenue cycle management, I mean, that's one of the metrics. And mm-hmm. if you go look at your spreadsheet and it's auto-populated from Strata, then you can sleep better at night knowing, hey, it's where it needs to be or, oop, what do I got to look at today, right? Oop, what do I got to manage today? But as long as that number's falling where it should, then it's just another data point that right. you don't have to worry about. Right, 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 exactly. Man, this is, I, I can talk about this stuff all day. Well, uh, all of it, but, all of it. And it all ties in. And everything you keep talking about, I'm thinking about my journey. And I know I, I don't want people to think I was jumping, jumping Paul, but I want you all to hear how, right? Because he introduced himself and you're going, oh, fuck, one of those guys. But I'm telling you, everything he's talking about I can give you examples in my business, in the other businesses that I help people with, in the people I talk to every day, how this fits and how this needs to be part of the business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want, I I told you right at the beginning before we even hit the record button, like I I don't, 
need this to be an advertisement for Strata. We, we well, I, I want people to understand but, what you but, do and how you can yeah. serve them. Yeah, I mean, look, here, here's the, our success is really just a function of just making something that people want. People want to get paid. People want to pay less for software. They want all these things. Our biggest challenge is uneducating them from all this like PR fluff, right? All day, um, all day, yeah, yeah, it's all this PR fluff, right? Like, like the whoever again, whoever the PR people are for RCM and insurance payers, they earned their money because they've somehow convinced everybody here that it's okay to get fucked around with and bullied and, and all that stuff, right? It's really uh, sad because the insurance industry has made a job out of not answering the phone, right? And so, man, therefore, if I don't pay my plumber every penny he's owed, what does he do? He has a legal way to put a lien on my house. To take a part of you, dude. Yeah. To, to, to like say, he, I have a legal right to a part he, of Paul Singh yeah, and his he, family. He's just going to walk down to the courthouse, file the lien. And it's not like criminal law where it's, you know, innocent till guilty or whatever. It's the other way. Right. But in this industry, it's like, oh, uh, may I, will you please pay me? I, I, you know, please. And then you wait 15 days for an answer or whatever, or 45 days for an answer. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so, I, you know, when we do even our recruiting, a lot of our recruiting, I, I always say internally is, is like healthcare experience is an immediate disqualifier for most of the jobs in our company. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I, okay, that's not to say that we haven't like hired one or two guys like that or gals like that. But the reality is, you know, um, I can't untrain cynicism. I can't untrain pessimists. I, I can't untrain this stuff, right? Like we're really... We need people that are optimists in every other industry. Like people think that healthcare is harder. Like, you know, when, when you think about tech people, for example, tech people think that healthcare is harder. It's actually easier. Healthcare is not regulated like consumer internet. It's not, it, that's a fact. PCI compliance, all this stuff. You know, when you look at HIPAA and PHI, that's like child's play. Um, Real engineers look at that and you're like, holy shit, that's what you guys think is That's secure. it. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Nothing. And by the way, sign this agreement. Yeah, this is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, you know, um, anyway, I, I think the reality, though, is that, um, you know, the fact that you're, you know, we're both having fun doing this, I think is, uh, is, is kind of like, I want to see more of this in the industry, right? And so that's why, like, you know, we'll throw ad dollars behind this and, and try to promote the show and all that, because I think people, if even one person just yep. changes the way they think, regardless of whether they join your company or mine or whatever, that's irrelevant. I don't, we're going to be fine. I agree with, with you. I agree with you. You know, yeah, um, I, I got, the, I told you about the guy from Indonesia sends me, Hey, I listen to the podcast. This is the work I'm doing. I'm engaging with him. I'm like, Hey, this is cool. Why don't you do this too? And he responds back in like a week or two. Hey, I did this. The team loves it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm-hmm. It, by the way, the next email isn't you owe me money. It's like this is fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, well, look, I know I've taken a lot of your time. This is probably two episodes in there, but once we, uh, I'll talk to you about that in the post show here, but uh, uh, I hope that anybody listening, if you made it this far, uh, you know, heckle me or call me out on something, but it's just Paul at stratapt.com. And just so I know you came from the podcast, the make the subject line something funny, like uh, Jerry Durham is a badass or a handsome son of a bitch or something. Just say something about Jerry Durham in the subject line, and I'll I know you listen the, to the just podcast. Put, put in the 
Put in, the, put in the subject line, you love the Beastie Boys, and then Paul. Really <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, man. I love it. Of which, look, there's two posters that need to go get framed that I got from when I went to New York like three weeks ago. Yeah, I love it. I love My it. My action figures are over here. I got to eat Beastie Boys <laughs> action figures. I love it. Well, cool. uh, all right, yeah, man, my friend, I, I think help. we'll sign off with this. I don't know if you got to the end of this, this may be part 35 it may be part one it may be part whatever, but um, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, Paul. And you know that I hate long form podcasts. I won't listen to them, but I'm like, there are times when we just got to talk and let it roll, dude. And, and we're, we're, we're at a, by the way, when I joined healthcare 30 years ago, you know, Oh, we're at a tipping point. I stand in front of people. The data shows that healthcare, the health of Americans has actually decreased since I got here. So I don't get a claim any that I improved anything in healthcare and it, it kills me. So I have to stand in front of the next generation go, it's on you kids to, to fix mm -hmm. what we fucked up is no matter what we say, we didn't fix it. So when you hear about Paul, and by the way, that includes managing a business and getting this this mindset of marketing, sales, retention, referrals, right? Value add, value add, value add, value add. And I got to tell you, it's healthcare, my friends. When I say value add, the bar is so low. Picking up the phone is value add, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that. So don't, don't kill yourself over this. But if you made yeah. it this far, congratulations. And hope we got you to think a little differently. So Paul, Thank you. I don't think this will be the last time. So, uh, no, we're gonna. I'm gonna sucker you into this monthly or something. Yeah, we're, we're, we gotta do something. All right. I love cheers. You. Good buddy. Thank See you, ya. everybody.